Hi everyone, and welcome back to Sentient Future. This is episode 18. Today we are wrapping up the third skill in the Sentient Worldview, interpreting our situation with emotion and intuition. Specifically, we're talking about intuition. So, what is intuition and why is it so fascinating? Intuition is our ability to arrive at a decision without having given it conscious thought. So how do we even intuit something? The short answer is that our unconscious minds engage in patterned recognition. The unconscious mind is in itself fascinating. Not only are we unaware of what our unconscious mind is thinking, but we cannot access it directly and therefore cannot know what it's thinking even if we try. That is why when someone has arrived at a decision intuitively, they often cannot describe how they reached that conclusion. Intuition is often referred to as a gut feeling, hence why we are talking about it alongside emotion. A very helpful resource on intuition is Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. In his book, Kahneman talks about System 1 thinking and System 2 thinking. System 1 is fast, intuitive thinking, and System 2 is slow, reasoned thinking. We'll certainly go into more depth on System 2 thinking in the fourth skill of the sentient worldview, interpreting our situation with reason. But for now, we can still make a few important comparisons. All things being equal, in the vast majority of scientific studies, reasoned thinking is more accurate. The problem is, we don't always have enough time or information to reason through a problem. Given that intuition is sometimes necessary in crises or new territory, it's important for us to understand some of the pitfalls and how we can improve it. There are three major pitfalls, or heuristics, that make our intuition less accurate. The first is the concept of availability. The availability pitfall occurs when what we remember is a biased sample of all similar cases we've seen. For example, we tend to remember the more dramatic events. So while we might have met 99 nice dogs in our life, that one dog that really scared us when we were little is more readily recalled as a memory. And our intuition may inaccurately suggest that the dog in front of us is going to attack. You can avoid the availability pitfall by asking yourself if similar events in your past have been overly dramatic. The representativeness pitfall occurs when prior experiences may not be similar enough to what we're looking at right now. For example, let's say you were scared by a wild raccoon as a child. That memory is largely irrelevant when trying to use your intuition to figure out whether the dog in front of you is going to bite you. You can avoid the representativeness pitfall by doing your best to discard the memories that aren't relevant. And finally, there is the anchoring and adjustment pitfall. This is where we might focus on a single memory, which we believe is similar to what we're experiencing right now and then make small adjustments based on the differences we see. The problem is when the small differences between what we're experiencing right now and our anchor memory should actually suggest a far greater difference in how we react. Growing up around a golden retriever, you may not think that a pit bull is necessarily that much more dangerous. Ignoring for now the possibility that the pit bull may have been raised in an abusive way, Physically, it just has a far greater bite strength, even if the dogs seem similar in size. You can avoid the anchoring and adjustment pitfall by recognizing that even small differences sometimes warrant big adjustments. 
Now I realize my advice for making your intuition more accurate is to be more rational. Do so to what small extent you can and recognize some situations don't even give you that chance. Another way you can improve your intuition is by gaining more relevant experience. Relevant experience increases the sample size of memories that your intuition has to draw upon. Ideally that gets over the availability pitfall by evening out some of the dramatic experiences, as well as helping you avoid the representativeness pitfall by giving you more memories that are representative of the situation you're facing. And finally it helps you get over the anchoring and adjustment pitfall by either giving you experience with an extremely similar situation or giving you an appreciation for the important subtleties that might require big adjustments. So we've talked about intuition's dangers, but what about its upside? Well firstly, we're very lucky to have intuition because it does help us deal with a crisis. It is extremely efficient. In intuitive moments, we ignore the first skill in the sentient worldview, sensing self. And as far as sensing context is concerned, we focus on what we perceive to be the few relevant points. We might incorporate the emotions that we're feeling, but we skip right over reason. Intuition is our shortcut to decisions and actions. In the best case scenario, let's say we're working with a colleague who's very experienced in one particular area. With appropriate back-checking in place, we might be able to rely on him or her being accurate enough while moving the organization forward quickly. In a competitive atmosphere, this might be really useful. And the most exciting part of intuition, at least to me, I had considered not covering until we got to the sixth skill of the sentient worldview, action. The most awe-inspiring application of intuition, in my opinion, is getting yourself into a state of flow. For those of you who haven't heard of flow, it goes by a few different names. Sometimes we talk about professional athletes being in the zone, or we talk about creatives being in a form of trance. The definition I like best for flow is intuitive action, or as Wikipedia defines it, flow is a mental state of operation in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement and enjoyment in the process of the activity. In essence, flow is characterized by complete absorption in what one does with the loss of sense of space and time. Before we talk about specifics of what's necessary to get into a state of flow, let's quickly touch on some of its benefits. The first, again, is that it's extremely efficient. The second is that it's extremely enjoyable, even euphoric. Flow improves our mood, and if we've accomplished something well, also our sense of fulfillment. Flow is fleeting, however, because not all of its conditions can be sustained. According to Jean Nakamura and Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, six conditions must be met simultaneously to achieve flow. The first is intense focus on the present moment. Some people refer to that as mindfulness. The second is the merger of awareness and action. This speaks to intuition and flow being a form of parallel processing whereas reason is a form of sequential processing. The third is a loss of reflective self-consciousness, that is us ignoring the first skill, sensing self. The fourth condition is that we must have a sense of control or agency over the situation, believing that all decisions rest with us. The fifth is a loss of sense of time, and the sixth is that the activity is intrinsically rewarding. 
Flow is also characterized by immediate feedback, the feeling that you can succeed, and the feeling that you are so engrossed in what you are doing that other needs become negligible. So now we come to my favorite part of every episode. So what? Why would we trust our intuition if reason is almost always more accurate? And flow seems so complex. Could you ever achieve it on purpose? The answer to the first question is, with today's rate of change, speed, and quick iterations often win over perfection. I'm not advocating that intuition or flow be used in high-risk situations. In those situations, reason is far more reliable. And as far as getting into flow on purpose, you absolutely can. That's the benefit of scheduling your time, of setting up your workspace, of clearly defining the task in front of you. The pre-planning, the organization, and the administration up front allow you to simply sit down, focus on the task at hand, without distraction. In those scenarios, with the self-discipline to actually start, we can simply let ourselves create. And, as Andy Proctor has recently discussed on his More Happy Life station, being creative makes us happier. And to be clear, the benefits of flow are immense, often multiplying our rate of productivity by two to five times while we're working on something. That is how powerful your mind can be with the right circumstances. So, that concludes the third skill in the sentient worldview, interpreting our situation with emotion and intuition. Thank you so much for tuning in today for the awe-inspiring topics of intuition and flow. I want to know, when have you used your intuition? When have you achieved a state of flow? I look forward to your call-ins. Until next time, live intentionally. Sentient Future out.